This is the Charity Stripe on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Put your free throws because they are free. Fisher, Tisopolis, Snacks, Kreider. we got a guest today, Richard Shea. It's coming up. The hot dog eating contest. It's one of the favorite things, one of the nation's pastimes. We all sit there. We all watch it every year. Um, but Major League Eating has become more than that. Uh, it, it's a whole art. It's a whole – there's so many competitions. We've had Chestnut on our show. He's an amazing guy, and there's so many athletes now in there. And we want to get into all that, but I do want to ask you how you got started and, you know, from where Major League Eating is now to where you got into it. Where, what were some of the big pivoting points that grew it? Well, that's funny. So I was actually talking to someone earlier. This will be my 25th or 6th, uh, 25th, um, 4th of July out in the corner surfing still while on Coney Island. So my brother who wears the hat on the stage, I do the ESPN call. He had been doing it prior to me and it was kind of like this, it was always a cool event, but it was sort of like a one-off uh, 4th of July press stunt, right? So in New York City, you know, you can imagine, you know, especially back in the day, media is looking for stuff to cover during the day before the fireworks, parades, whatever it might be. You know, uh, you go out to Coney Island because everyone's going to the beach. So decades and decades ago, a wise PR man said, let's exploit this contest for coverage for Nathan's. Right. Um, actually, Nathan Handwerker himself, the guy who started it, did the contest uh, way back. But um, it became this sort of annual PR thing. So you might get or you might get like, you know, a local camera or two, TV or two. And you move on. And, and back then, there might have been one or two return eaters. You know, I'm talking about early 90s and before. One or two return eaters and, and one or two noted eaters. And the big number was 20, right? Um, so if you could do the deuce, as we called it back in mid to late 90s, that was a big <laughs> Mike DeVito, uh, you know, Ed Crotchy. So when I, when I started, so when it started to take a little more shape, Ed Crotchy, meaning we'd get more and more media and we had more and more return competitors. Um, Ed Crotchy became sort of the champ. So he took over where Mike DeVito left off. And uh, Ed Crotchy could easily eat over 20, you know, low 20s, but, but re- uh, repeatedly, let's say, routinely. So he was a big bombastic guy from uh, New York City, outer borough guy, big, larger-than-life dude, and very cocky. Um, and then we had a guy named Hirofumi Nakajima come in from Japan. So the Japanese, uh, some Japanese producers reached out to us and said, we got a little guy who could probably beat your boy Crotchy. So we're like, bring it, you know? So we, uh, we did an off season contest uh, at a Nathan's famous in like around Herald square. Uh, and Crotchy was so cocky because Crotchy was about six, three and about two sixty, uh, if I'm being kind. And this guy Nakajima was, was just a small dude, like five, five and very slight. So Crotchy, this brash American goes to this contest again, at a head to head, right. Um, against this Japanese, newcomer and he's like reading the daily news and like being a dick he loses and he loses badly right so then nakajima comes to the fourth beats crotchy again takes over takes the rain and and we're off right so now we've got a lot of momentum um then the uh, a couple years later the japanese send three competitors guy named kazatuyo arai beats 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 uh, nakajima um the americans are still very much in it though um 
guy named uh, shit Cantor, I believe was his last name in Jersey, then wins it, beats, beats uh, Kazutoyo Arai. Um, so now we have this big sort of rivalry going between the U.S. and Wait, Japan. did you say Cantor? Uh, I forget. I'm, damn, I'm, I'm missing his name. Well, if it's Cantor, that let the Jews Cantor got it. Maybe, let's go. The, the Jews are no, involved. Um, anyway, so now we have this sort of back and forth number of years rivalry between the U.S. and, uh, and, and, uh, and Japan. Yeah. Then comes uh, Kobayashi, right? So there were rumors the night before Kobayashi's 50, which was a big, big pivotal performance, right? So everyone until then was like 25, 25 and a quarter. If you had told me that someone was going to eat 30, I'd be like, that's the mountaintop. So we were at like a like a reception the night before and all the eaters are buzzing. This dude, this dude, Kobayashi, can eat, can eat north of 30. I'm like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. He comes out and eats 50, right? So that was just like nuts. Um, <laughs> he, so he won, a number, he won a number of years in a row and the Americans couldn't catch up to, to Kobayashi. He was a great champion. I think he won six. Um, now we're on ESPN. Uh, we're doing a tour. That's one big important thing is we started doing a circuit. So when George and I took the contest over in earnest and started our own PR firm and started, uh, you know, a competitive eating league, then called International Federation of Competitive Eating, we call it Major League Eating now. Um, we convinced Nathan's to let us go around the country and qualify people. So this was all in that sort of Kazutoyo Arai era, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and in the in the in the Nakajima era and in the Kobayashi era, we're going around to 13, 15 places around the country and beyond and, and qualifying champs to come to the fourth. That built this sort of circuit tour. You know, you got to qualify. Was uh, that then, was that modeled after something like other sports yeah. that y'all were paying attention to? Or was it kind of just off, off the cuff? And, and that well, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a traditional uh, framework for sports. Right. Sure. You got to get in so that it was just modeled after that. Um, so you have to qualify for the fourth. What we, what we were doing in building the league was saying, I can go to Phoenix, Arizona, have a hot dog eating contest, qualify a local champ. Then I'm going to get all the press in Phoenix. Right. And that could be on June three. And then on July three, I'm going to get all that press in Phoenix again, because their local boy, their local heroes going to, you know, yeah, it's that snowball. So we, we were really good at getting, we were very fortunate that we applied ourselves and got this snowball effect going. So. That led to so many great things, you know, recognition nationwide and beyond, bringing in champs from not just Japan, but Germany, um, the UK, whatever it might be, the haggis eating champ from Northumberland, right? Um, <laughs> getting, and then getting media in the UK and getting media in Germany and blah, 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 blah. But, but you have to really credit Kobayashi with that 50. That was just huge. Um, and what was that Joey like, like, I, before we get to Chestnut, and I know, I mean, I appreciate the timeline, honestly. It's, it's a really... It's such an interesting history lesson, and it's great to hear from somebody that was like so up close and personal. Like, what's it like? Has it really hit you yet, though, that you like wake up and you're like, I'm about to go watch a duty like 50, 60, 70 hot dogs in like 10 minutes, like up close and personal? Like, like a lot of, I will say, like a lot of performances, you know. Um, like, I was at a strawberry shortcake eating contest last week, and it sounds silly. <laughs> and it, and it but, it's so epic. It's so funny. Oh. Uh, and I have my son with me, which made, must have made him proud. But, you know, I pop on the straw hat and then I am stoked, you know, because I want to see how much strawberry shortcake can these dudes eat. Jeff Esbury, 21 pounds in eight minutes. You know, it's, it's just bizarre. I was in the <laughs> championship when Sonia Thomas ate 48 dozen oysters in eight minutes. You know, um, is there anything someone won't eat? You think like, is there a contest that's never going to happen? 
Well, you know, Mickey Sudo, certain eaters won't eat. Well, we don't do gross out, right? So we're not like fear factor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Early on, we did do a, a two-hour Fox special called the Glutton Bowl. Well, even yeah. though Don Lerman ate seven pounds of butter. There I mean, you go. That, that's, so you're yeah. a student of the game, Alex. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, that's good history. And I'm glad that you know that because you should. And we should all be teaching that. And we shouldn't let our politicians strip that from our curriculum. Um, the Glutton Bowl should live forever <laughs> in every library in America. Um, but and if they don't want to, at show least there's the no program, slant on that one, right? It's just it's just stone cold facts, right there. Right. Just you what happened. Let's not happened. deny. Let's not deny our future. The, the the facts they need to know to enjoy life and and and. Uh, <clears throat> so we did some gross ones. Butter. There was beef tongue. The the one the one food that can taste. The, uh, the one food that can taste uh, the eater or something like that was the line. But, you know, there were, there were some gross Rocky Mountain oysters, but we don't typically do that. You know, we do we do menu items, but there are eaters to answer your question who won't eat certain things like Mickey would never do the Acme oyster eating contest in New Orleans because she just doesn't like oysters. You know what I mean? But for the most part, they're cross discipline eaters, cross discipline athletes. Um, you know, so so we've seen some amazing foods. But to answer your question directly. Yeah, it's stunning. And every year when I'm on the Fourth of July, you know, whether it was Kobayashi, Joey, Crouchy before them, it's, it's amazing to see it. Mm -hmm. So when you're first starting out and you're trying to, like you talk about how Kobayashi really was instrumental, um, when y'all are evaluating talent or just like bringing new talent in, because I know like that wasn't, didn't Sonia, like she wasn't a competitive eater. She just like picked it up and she had a propensity for it and was incredible at it. And then of course, I'm sure down the line started training, but what was that process like to bring more personalities into the sport as y'all got it started? Yeah. So two things we weren't, we were never looking for personalities necessarily, which we were lucky to get personalities or, or sure. you know what I mean? Um, we don't really name the eaters. We try to give a lot of ballyhoo and support and hyperbole when we introduce them or whatever, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the personality introductions are amazing. Yeah. And Sonia, you know, Sonia is a great story. Again, you're, you're showing that you, you've studied. She came to a, a Nathan's qualifier. Uh, this will show you where we were then. I think it was like 2003 or something. Um, at the Molly Pitcher Travel Plaza on the New Jersey Turnpike. And I was like, dude, I don't want to go to Molly Pitcher and host a contest. But I had a contest the next day in Atlanta, so it made it easy. I just went to Molly Pitcher and I drove up to Newark, got on a plane. Sonia was late. So I get a call from the office like, hey, this lady, Sonia Thomas from D.C. is running late. She wants to know if you could hold the contest. I'm like, no, you know, not only I don't know who she is and I got a plane to catch, you know. Uh, fortunately, she made it. She beat a whole slate of guys. Um, and I think she ate 18 and a half that day. She went on to eat close to 30 in, in the final competition that year. She went on to eat, as I said, 48 dozen hard-boiled eggs, you know. I mean, 48 dozen oysters in, in competition. Uh, I watched her eat 50 hard-boiled eggs at the halftime of, of an Orlando Magic game. We went back to our seats, and she ate popcorn and had a Diet Coke. I mean, she had, you know, she's, she's since retired. She had an inherent ability to eat food, and she was, she was just a slip of a person. Other eaters, and I would venture to say like Joey back in the old days, they, didn't, they, they had an ability, but maybe they had to refine that skill over, over time. And most competitors are that, you know, most guys can't go out and just ski mobiles like a pro. They have to learn it, you know, and so same with eating or anything else. And so most of our competitors refine a skill. The better ones had a, a, a had a sort of a baseline, whereas Joey was eating 30 out of the gate. That's a pretty damn good baseline because most guys start around 15 or 20. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they refine the skill from there. Do you work with them? A guy, and we get segue into Joey and like his impact on the on the sport. Do you work with a guy like Joey 
on his training regimen? I know he does a lot. Obviously, there's a lot in his own. But do you? But is there an interest in you guys studying it? Because he's so dominant, and he's yeah. the clear so cut. Know, the eaters, the eaters run their lives on their own. We don't. Yeah. We're not involved in any training. We are involved. It's our responsibility to have contests, right? So, so we do our best to have different contests and different foods with sponsors, with money all over the country and beyond. Uh, and then the eaters can, the eaters are on their own. There's no, like, this isn't the Patriots where I have a weight guy. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, uh, it's the eaters live their own life and the ones who, who want to go after it. And the ones who want to compete all the time are on the road. If you look at Nikki, uh, Nick, Nick, I call him Nikki, Nikki, Nick, yeah. Wary and Mickey Sudo. Um, they're like, the, the, you know, Jennifer, um, Jennifer and, uh, and, and, uh, Affleck, you know, they're like the couple and, and they're after it, like they are just going after it. So they, they were at, for instance, at that um, strawberry shortcake eating contest, they flew up from Tampa to compete. And it was a, it was a great event and it's a down home event. It's a relatively modest prize. So they probably broke even, but they're all about getting out on the road and doing this, you know? So that's why they have risen to be the number three and four eaters in, in the world, you know, and they'll both be there in Coney Island. And, uh, and, and Nick Wary has a, has a shot uh, at, at winning the darn thing. He's really good. He, he, he beat Joey in a pistachio eating contest. Uh, he's, he's, he's almost every bit as good as Jeff Esper, who's our number two eater. And Mickey has won eight Nathan's belts and very likely will win ninth. Do you think, so going into this, like, do you ever feel like it's almost sometimes or it's gotten to two competitions, like who can come in second and how many can Joey eat? In recent years, you could you could you could say that. I mean, I was funny a couple of years ago. We were coming out of COVID, and we, I remember we were doing these packages for ESPN, and I'm looking at them the day before, and it's like it was Nick Wary, Jeff Esper, and this guy Darren Breed, and, and they're all being asked the same question, you know, just for a little like a little little package on the show, you know, and they're they're all answering, "No, nah, I can't beat Joey. No, nah, I won't beat Joey." <laughs> I was just like, dude, that's not a very good hype piece, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, because it was like that, they were looking for personal bests. I think over the last year or so, Joey's been beaten a couple times by these guys. There, there is definitely, uh, he has he has an ability with hot dogs that no one else has shown. Um, and if you look at his championships in, against Kobayashi's, I think all of Joey's, are, you know, all but one of Joey's was in the 10-minute era. We used to have a 12-minute contest. Um, Joey's first win over Kobayashi was in a 12 minute era, but all of his wins, including the 76 hot dogs that he ate a couple of years ago in 01, you know, those are 10 minute contests. We restored the contest to its 10 minute, original 10 minute lengths. We found some old documents were sent to us from Coney Island that said that's what it was. So we restored it to 10 minutes. We truncated the contest. Unlike, you know, people bringing in the, 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 the three point line or, uh, or, 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 you know, making it easier for a receiver to catch a ball, you know, uh, given more PI uh, flags. We've gone the other way. We tried to, we tried, we tried to <laughs> the way it was, and these guys are still crushing hot dogs. So he's clearly like the best hot dog eater that we've ever seen. Um, but he does get beaten in other events. And, and, mm -hmm. and this year, and I mentioned Nick, who's quite good. Esper, Jeff Esper, who people don't talk enough about. He's just, he's just on a tear. He's one, he's set like three world records uh, or four world records since July 4 of last year in different foods, um, you know, donut holes. Uh, he had 344 donut holes in Indianapolis earlier this year to Joey's, you know, 310. So Esper is really good. Does he believe that he can win on July 4? That might be it. You know, it might be the pressure. It might be, it might be the corner surfing still well. It might be the cameras. It might be that sort of red clay rolling garros that they just don't think it belongs to anyone else. You know, mm -hmm. how would you fare 
in one of these contests? Have you given it given a shot? No. Do you know I never have? I mean, I eat a turkey wrap in my desk and I almost, you know, can't get it down. Uh, <laughs> I always said we grew up in Maine. I always said I'd try a lobster eating contest, but that's a sort of a debris food. So if if I had to extract the lobster from a shell, I'm good at that. And you see that, like we go down to New Orleans for crawfish eating contests, like with rouses or whatever. The locals do really well because they they can handle that food, you know. So there's debris food. Um, I'd get crushed by these guys. I just don't have the capacity. They're just a whole other level. We did it last summer. We've done it two years in a row. I don't the place I go to, you know, for July Fourth. We did a ten minute contest, and there was a there was a guy there, like you know, around our age, like in his mid twenties, late twenties, who ate who ate eight hot dogs in ten minutes. Pretty good. And, that's pretty, and I felt honestly that for like and like no one that's ever done it before, no training, yeah. just stepping up to the plate, yeah, pretty pretty damn good. Not easy, man. So so uh, George, my brother, years ago did it in our office, and he down seven in twelve minutes. It's not easy, you know. Um, I would be a better at a chugging competition, like a Badlands Booker chugging competition. Well, that's what me and Joey on. He was talking about. How I think it was Buffalo Wild Wings. He was like, he got free beer and wings for, or maybe it was Hooters, free beer and wings for life. And then he was drinking so much beer that they were like, all right, the, the free, <laughs> the free, the free beer is the, your, your flags up, dude. You're done. Yeah, never, uh, we've had, we've had eaters get like, uh, famously, uh, hungry Charles Hardy, an old, old school eater from the old days. Like there was a Chinese buffet in Chinatown. They literally, this is not a joke. They had his picture on the wall. Do you think like, he's had, do you, do you think he's had like an impact like Phelps and Usain Bolt had? Like, that's what I would compare it to on the Olympics where you're yeah, tuning in. Yeah. Joey certainly, Kobayashi did, Joey did, yeah. Mickey has, Sonia has. Um, because and, and because they become celebrities or, or known, you know, and because they've done such astronomical or, 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 you know, gastronomical whatever things, other people are like, well, damn, I want to try that. And they see, and they see, you know, that you can get a certain profile, certainly now in social media era. Um, but, but, you know, they see that, you know, it, it always played to two things, people's competitive nature, you know, and that's what Jeff Esper is. He's, he shies away from cameras, you know, but he's just a competitor, former like power lifter. Um, he's big. He's big. He's lovely. He's real quiet, real cerebral eater, pretty funny dude. But he doesn't talk much. He's not looking, he's not looking for the cameras. And then there's guys who are competitive and wanting the cameras. You know, we have a guy, Bartley Weaver, um, who I'd say is both, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. You know, um, he's totally building his social following, and he's totally trying to sell supplements, and he's a total weightlifter, and he just down forty Nathan's hot dogs and buns at a at a Dayton Dragons game. Um, that dude's on the on the come up, you know. Yeah, I mean Stoney's presence on social media, what he's done on his YouTube channel, and yeah. the way that a lot of these you know athletes are catapulting it. And obviously like the Nathan's is the pinnacle for like the everyday man. But you, if you look at a, like what a lot of these athletes are doing on their own social media channels, a guy like Matt Stoney, he may not, he, and who a guy who's won the mustard belt, I believe Matt Stoney, yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah, like he had, you know, he had, he's the one guy to beat Joey. Since, Joey yeah. Since Joey 16, beat Kobe 17 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have a guy like Stoney in the mix, but all the stuff he's been able to do on YouTube has in a weird way, benefited like the eating competitions there's a lot do you ever go after some of those guys like some of like the freelance i guess you could say people that show up to restaurants like do you recruit do you try to go abroad and try to get people or is it like if they come to you kind of thing 
typically they come to us. Sometimes, you know, you see talent and, and, and you, you want them to compete with you. A lot of these people don't really want to, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you a case, but you know, some of these dudes who are like Matt Stoney is an exception. He really can crush food, uh, but he can also seems to sell Pokemon pretty well too. Right. He's a special guy. Um, there are a lot of challenge sort of YouTube people we're not at all involved with. Um, and those aren't really our contests and they obviously could compete at our events, but they don't want to for whatever reason. And it might be because they, they're afraid of losing, you know, our, our game's a little different, I think. And I don't, I don't, I'm not being uh, coy here. I don't watch a ton of that stuff, but like some of these dudes who are just out there eating like big challenges, they can't really eat, you know, 50 hot dogs in 10 minutes. It's just a different kind of skill, you know, and we don't do endurance stuff. Our stuff is mostly around eight minutes. Um, and I would say to your to your listeners and, and viewers, you know, our stuff is we have EMTs and paramedics and we, we take it like very seriously. You have to. Yeah. But people are welcome to compete in our shit. They just sometimes they don't for whatever reason. And, and you know, they might, you know, if you have a good profile on social uh, or good following on YouTube, why go get beaten by some dude? You know, makes yeah. sense. What? So when you're considering like which of the contests fall under the MLE umbrella, like are there contests that exist that have, that are, you know, local to an area or whatever that have been going on for a long time that kind of submit themselves to y'all and and y'all have like a screening process of you say, yes, this, this qualifies for X, Y, and Z reasons, but we need to adjust how it's run or something like that. Like, how do you, how do you decide? Yeah. So we did, yeah, we didn't create competitive eating. Um, We did publicize it quite well but it, it predates all of us man like I, you can go back you know thirty thousand years ago to a cave in eastern europe dead of winter a bunch of neanderthals standing around and a rabbit walks in that's a competitive eating situation right but then you can think of like you know early 1900s uh you know cherry pie eating contests and all these things that happened when there's a when there's a a, a, a rich the embarrassment of riches during harvest time or whatever it might be or 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 you know whatever xyz fish is running or you know it's deer season whatever it is so there's there's festivals and things that have long had competitions that we aren't part of that still aren't part of um and then people will contact us and say look we want to bring this you know to the next level what's it take and we're like well you have to you know certain rules uh we have to put it you know we have to put some rules around this give it the you know put a time time frame on it make sure you have emts no one's under 18 we need prize money for the eaters this and that right um yeah. so some people don't don't have the the the, the money or something or, or interest in doing that or changing their thing but we do we do add existing contests or add and we are often called to go to like a strawberry festival that didn't have a strawberry eating contest but wants one um and and one thing about our stuff is you've seen it so if you look at the fourth and you just kind of you take that format, but you just kind of shrink it down for like a smaller event. You still get a lot of volume, a lot of noise, a lot of media crowds into it. Fortunately, now the crowd knows who these eaters are, you know, so right. they're running up to get autographs. Um, so so we, we do get hired by some places that either had an event and want to make it more professional or amp it up or don't have an event, but have a two, three day festival and they want to put us in with programming. So, you know, you can imagine we like, we like, we'll be out on the stage and then I don't know, sticks or someone comes out and plays after us. You know what I mean? Renegade. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Richard, we always ask everybody. I'm curious. I think yours is going to be an interesting one. We ask everyone that comes on our show, the same question. 
at the very end of the show. What is your favorite sports memory ever? It could be from you watching, playing, anything, Major League eating, all of it. What is your favorite absolute number one sports memory? Well, this, uh, a lot of people hate me for this. I'm a lifelong Patriots fan. So <laughs> I'm going to an event this week where Gronk is going to be at. So I'm going to have to go up and say hi. Um, I, you know, that first Super Bowl in New Orleans was huge. Tuck rule. I have a funny story. I was in Aspen with my buddies. Those will date me. Um, I was in Aspen with my buddies and we had skied and we were supposed to go to dinner and I was lying on the couch all hurting because third day in Aspen, as you can imagine, we skied all day and uh, it's snowing in Foxborough and the Brady throws that tuck rule. Right. And they're like, can we go now? And I'm like, yeah, that's over. And like three hours later in a bar, carrot top came up to me and we're like, we're actually washing our hands in the bathroom. It's carrot top. And, uh, He's like, how you doing? I'm like, good, but my Patriots lost. And he goes, no, dude, they won. (laughs) (laughs) Carrot Top told me at like midnight that the Patriots won. Uh, Favorite, 28 to 3 game, probably. Wow. Edelman catch. Edelman catch. Dude, we should have led with it. I'm a diehard Pats fan, too. Right. But everyone else will hate us for that. Yeah, they'll hate us. And you know what? Least favorite, helmet grab. Second least favorite, Manningham grab. (laughs) Manningham, you know what? The but Manningham, that was an actual grab. The Manningham grab is a really underrated. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a really underrated play in Super Bowl history. So that was Manningham's talent, and uh, you know Manning was a Manning just threw the ball up high, and these guys caught it. Yeah, I mean he was just in he was just right place, right time, absolute. Winner. And Joey's 76. Come on, two years ago, 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes was awesome. Yeah, I mean that was awesome. What's it like for you moment to moment quickly, like right there where you're watching that? Can you believe what's going on? Or are you – is the I, bit, And that one I will say no. Because, like, you know, there's the whole spirit of 76. I hadn't even, like – I should have been able to come out with that. I didn't. It was just like, holy cow, dude. What did we just say? Yeah. yeah. Just like Kobayashi when he did 50. But anything north of, you know, 30 is pretty darn impressive, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, Joey's overshadowed these guys. Kobayashi overshadowed them. Um, you know, we had Carmen Sincotti eight sixty four one year. That's pretty damn good. I think we'll see we'll see an Esper or a or or a Wary give Joey a run uh, this year, and I think uh, put up some big numbers. We love Joey, but hopefully, you know, we'll we'll see one of those guys give him a run for his money. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. We love what you guys got going on. Uh, we'll be listening for you on the broadcast and watching your brother go absolutely. Yeah. I go absolutely. Three scoops of pre-workout crazy on the stage. Thank you for joining us, man. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great summer. Be good, man. You too. Thank you. All right.